Thanks, Steve. That was CBS 34's Steve Smith reporting from the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. Next on your 9 o'clock Atlanta news update, it's sports. Sports. With the MLS's The MLS Cup in town, it's time to check in with our resident MLS expert, Caleb Olson. Caleb, I hear you got to speak to an MLS superstar this week. Yes, Nick. Uh, I spoke with uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic in a revealing interview. Well, let's hear that interview now. So, Zlatan, lots of questions being asked about your future in LA and a possible transfer to AC Milan. Well, yes, but it, it all depends on what mascot is. The, the mascot? LA is one of the best in Cosmo. Yes, but... There's something something missing. Zlatan, he doesn't know how to express. Okay, uh, let's Google AC Milan's mascot real quick. Huh, it's a little cartoon devil. What do you think there, Big Z? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, okay, uh, what about uh, Newcastle's mascot, Monty the Magpie? Eh, Zlatan, Zlatan not interested. Maybe if we understood where this was coming from. Well, well, Zlatan, Zlatan here Tumblr with removing all adult content. So Zlatan go see what fuss is all about. And well, Zlatan, he, he finds things. Um, things that confuse Zlatan. Uh, things like? Things like Kingston. Zlatan find Kingston in Orlando City. See? Ah! God, what the hell is that thing? Does it have dreadlocks? Why does a lion have dreadlocks? Well, hold on. Zlatan? Zlatan, too, is lion. I mean, yeah, you said that a lot throughout your career. No, no, you don't get it. Zlatan like lion with strong, potent, heavy musk. Uh, okay, that's uh, new. It, it is time for this Zlatan lion. Zlatan must make pride. With Jameson? That's right. His beautiful dreadlocks on Zlatan's bare chest. His beautiful eyes staring deep into Zlatan's soul. Uh, Zlatan. His hairband lying on the floor next to his and Zlatan's clothes. Zlatan, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, but did did you find furry porn on Tumblr? Zlatan, I, I have never felt so alive. Welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Notch. I'm Colin. And I'm Caleb. This week, Arsenal win in North London as the Timbers beat KC to head south to the MLS Cup to face Atlanta United, who beat New York and New Jersey. Yeah, that's right. Ah, pine cones everywhere, wreaths, smell of evergreens, consumerism, Santa. At least those evergreens cover the smell of musk. Musk. <laughs> I'd never seen fucking Kingston Land before. Have you guys, like, did you know that Orlando City had a mascot, let alone that it was a literal furry? No, and those were much better times. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight or anytime in the near future. Hey, Caleb's here, everybody. He's, he's back. well. Yeah. Uh, just one Yay. moment, please. Dad, do not Google furry at all, please. I don't want you knowing <laughs> what this is. Just think, just know it was funny. Caleb's dad, please do that at work. Oh, God. <laughs> do not have safe search on at work. Hey, so I, I wanted to ask you guys, how do you, how do you feel about mixing things up just a little bit today? Because I am really excited to talk about stuff from England. Can we go first with that? Absolutely, mate. <laughs> Cal yeah. Williams, watch out. Caleb's coming for your job, apparently. I, All right. I, yeah. <laughs> Let, let's then go into a segment that we call the Stiff Upper Leagues. What are you doing in England? Mind your own business. Well, in the Stiff Upper Leagues, we talk about English soccer, where proper football is played in English soccer. No, it's where proper footy happens. How dare you go off script? <laughs> we run this podcast like it's a Sorkin 
<laughs> show. You'd never go off script if you don't ad-libbed. No, no, no line changes. Okay. No line changes. Toss in a semicolon, I swear to God. All right, well, it, then I should be repeating every second thing I say. Like, repeating everything I say. Yes, repeating everything I say. That, that, that you know, that's how we should be doing it. But anyway, hey, I got a text from Colin on um, Saturday morning. Or was it Sunday morning? Sunday morning being like, uh, hey, are you watching the NLD? And I was like, the NLD? Baseball's over. And I mean... Spot on call an impression right there. <laughs> Point that out. I so sound like that. <laughs> See? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> so so I, I took me just a second to process what he was talking about. Turns out he was talking about North London Derby, the NLD. I didn't know that they like compress those into acronyms now. Oh yeah. It it has been for a while. Is, do you have the MSD? I think that's what President Bartlett had in the West Ted Wing. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just call it the Merseyside Derby. Don't talk about that, man. <laughs> okay, so so the North London Derby was on Sunday and it Arsenal four, Tottenham Spurs two, and uh damn. This game had everything. This game had a penalty that Mike Dean could not help but call against Tottenham, and it was scored by Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. This game had Eric Dyer somehow deflecting in a goal and then shooting the crowd and getting into a fight with the Arsenal substitutes bench. Okay, I have, I have a question about that. So this whole fighting thing on the day and even now, uh, I feel like there was a lot of reaction being, like, oh, wow, that's what soccer really should be all about. And then the FA coming out today and saying that they were going to fine both sets of players. Now, what, what do you guys think about that? The whole like little bit of shithousery, the fine, like... Yeah, fines are correct for these things, and they should happen, and at the same time, those fights and shithousery, those things also should happen. Like, there should be a little bit of an overflow of passions during a derby game. And there's a little animosity between the two two teams, and it's going to show itself on the pitch, and yeah. whether it's with shithousery on the sidelines or on the field. So I, long as it's properly policed, yeah. go no, for it. No one was seriously injured. So, fair is fair. I agree. I agree entirely. So, I'm really glad that you guys said that. Now, I don't need to. And, okay, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, or as we started calling him earlier, Barack. What is it? Pierre-Barack Aubameyang. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Our next president. He has a completion rate of 40% for his shots. Yeah. I believe he scored on his last 10 shots. Like, he's 10 for 10 on his last 10 shots. Is that correct, Colin? I've never seen that somewhere. That's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That's absolutely I know, bonkers. I know I have a completion rate of 100% on no, my I'm, shots. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well, there were doubts. I remember when, when he was first signed, there were these thoughts that like, oh, Aubameyang is kind of moody. He can be a locker room cancer sometimes. We're not sure if he'll make it well in the Premier League. Turns out, yeah, he's yeah. okay. Very much so. Lacazette scoring here. Lucas Torreira getting a goal. Lucas well, Torreira has been the difference for oh Arsenal this God, season. He's been fantastic. I mean, outside of when I remember Tommy being a dynamic coach and tactician during the game for Arsenal, Lucas Torreira has been that pit bull in the middle they've needed for how many years? I It took me until this game to really just admit that this is a transformed Arsenal team. And I think the thing that made me really come to grips with that was how loud the Emirates was. I've mm-hmm. never heard crowd noise for a game at the Emirates. That place was electric during the game. And it was entirely because of how Arsenal were playing in that second half. That's what they can do when you're bringing a top-level striker off the bench at halftime. I've loved how they've used Aubameyang and Lacazette as not necessarily super stubs all the time, but still being able to like mix and match and then say, we need to go into overdrive for the second half. This is the something different that we're going to do. And it it works. It works so well. I want to go back to that point about the Emirates real quick, because this was a game I think that illustrates what a fully featured soccer match can be. It's back and forth, attacking soccer, lots of goals has the two teams obviously in a state where they're caring about the result. The coaches are running up, breaking up scuffles. Mm -hmm. And then you have the crowd going crazy. And each one of those components, I think, added something to this experience. 
So uh, w- when when someone asks like, why are the supporters in MLS so important? Why do front office give them cheap tickets? Blah blah blah. This is why they're they're an essential component of this matrix. You have great soccer and goals in multiple Premier League matches, but we notice when the stadiums are loud. Yeah, and absolutely, M- Minnesota has been mediocre to subpar to just flat out bad their past two seasons. One of the things that have kind of made this team show out across the lead did notice was the, the fans. We travel well when teams are visiting TCF and when that's when they'll visit Allianz, they'll hear the fans or they heard the fans and know that Minnesota is a fun place to play as a home, as a loon. And, and, and don't, I don't think you can, guys can deny that Timbers army Oh. make Portland oh, yeah. more fun. Tell Tell watch their home game and the away game. Producer Nick is very upset that I just ma- mentioned this. Uh, Get over it, Producer Nick. <laughs> Kansas City at Children's Mercy Park. Yeah, the that cauldron game is, is Yeah, the, the cauldron is always bouncing. It's right, and kind of and the negative of that, we saw Orlando's fans leaving in, in mass throughout the season, and that their games at home became less and less exciting. Was Orlando? Um, the, they were the Orlando because of the team, or they saw teams for the first time fled out of fear. Yeah, I, I think that's what really <laughs> did them in. But but it, it's getting getting back to this Arsenal game though, like it, it Tottenham weren't abject at times. Like it, there were some periods where they just kind of lost the boil. Jan Vertonghen, what the <laughs> hell are you doing multiple times during this game? But it it, it was that Arsenal actually came into play bossed things around for probably about 75 minutes i think should arsenal make a run i think this is going to be the catalyzing game and this seems like the game that gives them the belief to go forward and tottenham is coming off a win against chelsea last weekend um going convincing f- win no last yeah and return didn't that sent off late to the second yellow with a fall on like that he handled handled the ball in the box early for the penalty um, uh, Pierre Bratabamian stored that penalty and then had a banana peel thrown at him by a Tottenham fan who was suspended for life, I believe, by Tottenham. Yeah, arrested indefinitely. So that fan sucks. That fan yeah. is terrible. Don't let that fan ruin what the atmosphere was like at the Emirates. It was electric. And credit to Tottenham for identifying the problem right away and getting rid of that fan. True. True, true, true. The first good thing they've ever done. <laughs> After this game was done, I was thinking like, whoa, what an exciting game. I miss watching the Premier League. I don't watch it near enough. Decided to watch the next game, which was, of course, the Merseyside Derby, the MSD, as we've decided to call it. And <laughs> what, what you decided uh, to call it? I'm so <laughs> yeah. offense. It's a good thing it didn't end at 1-3. That would be bad. <laughs> I, I decided to... Um, Watch this game, of course, as I was saying before. And man, it was a dull affair until like, the say very last dull. minute of stoppage time. Caleb. I wouldn't say it was dull. Um, Comparatively to the Arsenal game. Convince us. Convince okay. us. Compared to any game on Saturday that was on TV, it was very exciting. It was a very back and forth nil-nil game. Yeah, it was a very back and forth nil-nil game. Uh, Sadio Mane probably should have scored seven goals, but he decided to shoot into... A gigantic a goal for giants. I don't know. He's the opposite <laughs> of Zoolander. He's like, what is this a goal for ants? And he's like, no, it's regular size, man. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, Joe Gomez for Liverpool cleared a, a surefire goal off the line after an Allison save. And it was really back and forth. I think Liverpool had more shots total, but shots and goal were pretty even. The like 16 to like nine shots of four to three shots and on goal. Everton with the youngest starting lineup in the Premier League. Which is, I mean, coming off a season with Big Sam, this is pretty impressive. Yeah. But, and honestly, I was kind of resigned to a, a nil-nil, one point. Um, we had taken off Salah. We had taken off Firmino. Um, you took him off for Divock Origi for all. I know, right? Who thought he would have done like, anything good? Uh, like, I remember the been around for a year. <laughs> I heard the commentator say that name and I was like, who? What? I haven't heard that in a really long time. I remember him because I'm rocking in my rocking chair on the porch. <laughs> but, uh, free kick in our own half. Uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. Better take it. Allison waves him up. Allison plays on the ball to a better angle to fling the ball into the box. Just headed away to Virgil van Dyke. TAA to VVD. Uh, 
Virgil. More acronyms. I like this. Right, right, right. Dear the VVD in the MSD. Right after the end One of those things is not, <laughs> not kosher. Of, yeah, one of those things sounds like a venereal disease. Or, or a gang that President Trump is complaining about. MSD coming over from <laughs> Manchester, taking our ironworking jobs in the ports. Now they're white, he'd be fine. Oh, <laughs> God. But uh, Virgil van Dijk kind of just scoops under the ball, shins it almost, pops up. That was a terrible it shot a, for him, by the way. A clever assist because the ball totally fools Jordan Pitford somehow. It goes to catch it instead of tip it over the bar. And it bounces off his hands, bounces off the bar. And Divock Aridi and might have been Sturridge were the only guys to go towards the goal. And the ball bounced off the bar right to Div- Origi, who headed it in. And from Virgil van Dijk hitting it up, you hear all of Anfield go, Oh, hits the crossbar, hits the go, uh? <laughs> and then Reedy goes it, heads it in, goes, ah! <laughs> it was so comical and so great. And I did the same exact thing in my apartment alone, running around my apartment streaming. You didn't have Allison to go and hug. No, so. yeah, clap right out of the field, hugged Allison. He got fined, I'm pretty sure. I saw. I, I have the same attitude to that fine, which is that it wouldn't be as cool if he wasn't going to get fined. The reason we thought this, oh, my God, so cool, so is because he lost control. And if that was normal, yeah. we wouldn't give a damn. No, and you if, saw the emotion in it. Allison and Klopp are jumping and hugging like they had just won the World Cup. It was crazy. And yeah, it was just such a blast. And it took me a, a long time to come down from that. Luckily, the Packers were playing. So it was really, yeah, oh, I was going to just say <laughs> that come down was maybe at most three hours. Yeah. Uh, speaking of come downs, Chelsea played Fulham. Chelsea won two nil. We uh, that was you know they apparently heated rivals. Chelsea and Fulham, I had no idea. I, they're like more ne- of a they're, historic rivals. Yeah, because it, now it's not really that much of a right I was competition. Say. I mean, it, Although, at least they are also next door neighbors. But Fulham are improving. Uh, they got Reina back. Uh, Reina in the manager spot. He's they won their first game with them, and he ha- they looked okay. A couple chances to equalize. Wait, did you mean yeah, I did. You said Reina. Yeah. Claudia Reina, Claudia Ranieri. <laughs> Jordi Reina, uh, Vancouver Whitecaps player, now in charge of Fulham. Dilly Dane, Dilly Dumb. Uh, so dumb. <laughs> anyway, Ranieri has, has been playing pretty well. Um, I think those games against mid-table teams, the lower teams near their spots, will start picking up points in those games. Those games in the top six teams are still going to be tough. But they played Chelsea pretty well until uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek's uh, goal to bring the game to Two def- two goal two two nothing yeah and um, that was that was late on too it was late it was like on yeah eighty fourth minute maybe. yeah they had a chance but I think Fulham will climb their way out of the basement eventually hopefully well we should also talk very quickly about the fact that um, Mark Hughes finally getting fired first Premier League manager to lose his job this year uh, from Southampton he's the first Premier League manager to get sacked twice in a calendar year. Yes, he was fired from Stoke last year, fired from Southampton this year. But, I mean, what do you expect when you drop points against a relegation candidate like Manchester United? Like, I mean, it, it was if I was Southampton, I would be disappointed I mean, with this 2-2 result against United. They were up 2-0 and they drew 2-2 at home. Like, I mean, why wouldn't you get sacked after that? You had Mourinho playing some of his, you know... This was obviously a team that was a weakened team to focus on the Champions League. We had people like Paul Pogba on the pitch who had no business being there, obviously. So Southampton really, I mean, screwing this up, it's its just very, very surprising from the uh, uh, Red and Whites. That's their nickname? Saints? Saints. It's Saints. the Saints. That's yeah, right. Saints, so. um, in all seriousness, <laughs> it's actually... Mark Hughes' best result in recent memory. It really he's is. A, Get him out of here. He's not a good coach. I don't know why he'd had another job so quickly after being fired from Stoke. Yeah. He should You're, be out of the Premier League for a long time. He's not a good coach. He won't be out of the Premier League for a long time because whoever else is a relegation candidate are going to hire him very, very soon. That's uh, so dumb. Let's talk a little bit about my, Jose Mourinho. We've talked about how he has been losing the plot, as the British say, and th- that's very much true. He's just grumpy. All the time, just look sad and upset. And this week, literally coming out and saying, Pogba is a virus. And you can just see him walking in like with a, you know, hunchback into the dressing room. Hello, <laughs> Pot. Is this is virus. Kettle. Uh, yeah. It, he, they play Arsenal midweek, right? Yes, they do. They'll, they'll be, Mourinho might be gone before we record next. But, um, I think Arsenal wins that game very handily. 
the players obviously have given up against Mourinho. Yeah. Mourinho obviously is now, I, I don't, I, I guess he should just walk away. You can't walk into the, 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 literally, I mean, he said, you don't play, you don't respect the players and supporters, and you kill the mentality of the good, honest people around you. That's a quote from Jose Mourinho about Paul Pogba. How do you say that out loud in the locker room to a guy who's won the World Cup? I mean, and I, Pogba was really bad, though. He was he, really he was bad, bad, but, but it's also, everyone was bad for no one Manchester was good. United. No one was good. And you looked at Manchester United and their results, like, um, Anthony Martial is playing well this, despite his feud with Mourinho. Rashford right. played well bes- despite being benched last game. And said Padre played well despite his recent row with Mourinho. It's all- <laughs> Fred hasn't played even though they spent $60 million on him this offseason. It's all these things lining up where he's buying these players in and, out, and they're not playing well or he's not playing them at all. And we saw Padwell play to out potential. Of his, out of his mind to his, in the yeah. World Cup in the biggest stage there is. He was the best midfielder well, besides Modric, obviously, <laughs> but, but he was so good in that tournament and you saw him play there and you like, well, he's not have a great season this season. He's been dreadful for Manchester United and that doesn't come down to the players. We know he can play amazingly. Mm-hmm. That's all yeah. his relationship with the coach. He's despondent. He doesn't want to be there anymore. Either yeah. Mourinho's out before January or Pod was going back to Italy. Well, uh, speaking of things that don't want to be there, I don't want to be talking much in this segment. So I'm just going to rush through. With the next two bullet points, Mass City beat Bournemouth 3-1 to maintain their stranglehold on the top. And then secondly, the second thing I want to very quickly mention is that Watford fans uh, unfurling a tribute to former Leicester City chairman Vichai uh, and Vichai's son coming out and providing free concessions to the Watford supporters as a thank you. So That's awesome. Uh, James Madison's goal in that game was impressive. So Yeah, but- just a little bit of neat, neat stuff happening between supporters. And hey, let's just keep talking about European soccer and we'll get back to MLS in part two. So let's move on to a segment that we call, they don't call it soccer in brackets. Some do though, where we talk about soccer from the rest of the world that we haven't talked about already. That uh, segment intro makes a whole lot more sense when it's the final segment. Uh, <laughs> because there's a lot we haven't talked about American soccer yet, but we're not going to talk about it right now. Uh... Let's, let's talk about the uh, Ballon d'Or, which was awarded tonight. First of all... Did I win? I see them in my highlights. No. No? No. Oh, sorry. Uh, Another year gone. If, if I had been given a vote, I would have voted for you. But uh, I still wouldn't why. have. I mean, you, you were kicking a ball against a garage. Like, at least face people if you're going to do your highlight reel. Didn't you see the, the gold that was spray painted on there in orange spray paints? You didn't see that? His completion uh-huh. rate is amazing. Yeah. So, Luka Modric, surprise, surprise, is the men's Ballon d'Or winner. And um, that was good for him. I, I feel like it was a surprise. Even yeah, though he, it was. But he was the best player in the World Cup. He's been solid for his club team. I just feel like he doesn't, do, he doesn't do the goals or the assists. But he's still probably the best midfielder in the world. He doesn't have those fancy stats that people are freaking out about. I mean, I'll, I'll be blunt about the Ballon d'Or. I have not been excited about this award ever because it's just it's, it's dull when yeah, it Messi and Ronaldo are just winning it back and forth. I don't care about the whole Messi versus Ronaldo thing. I someone on our soccer on Reddit calculated who had been, who would have been the winner given all the votes they released the votes uh, if they had not allowed repeat winners. And it's so much more of an interesting list of soccer luminaries uh, instead of just Ronaldo Messi, Ronaldo Messi, Modric, Ronaldo Messi. Anyway. So that was a men's Ballon d'Or. Women's Ballon d'Or goes to Norwegian player Ada Hegerberg, who at 23 has won three Champions League crowns, four French championships, three French Cup titles, and seen off competition uh, from a couple of other very talented ladies uh, in this vote. I should also mention that last year she scored a tournament record 15 goals for Lyon in the Women's Champions League. So extremely impressive winner here for the first Women's Ballon d'Or. There was some stuff related to um, sexism that came out in the ceremony as well. I don't want to diminish her achievements by talking about it. Literally everybody else on the planet is. So go ahead and do that. Just know that female athletes are facing a lot of discrimination around the world. Uh, on that subject, I want to quickly mention Afghanistan's women's soccer team. Uh, there have been some really, really shocking allegations of sexual abuse coming out, both physical and verbal, from uh, Afghanistan. Their team is kind of this 
entity that's self-led their captain heads the, the the program she's been able to bring the team to the united states train with american coaches they've it's kind of been the pride and joy for afghanistan sports world and recently there were some scandals with their the the people the politicians leading the sports federation and a few other things that resulted from some of these allegations coming to light and it's 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 gone from just being a initially it was reported as a sporting scandal and it's now gone from being that to being something much deeper and more shocking um advise you to go and read about it from more intelligent people than this podcast because it's it's a story that you should be aware of all right let's talk about uh copa libertadores second leg of the final we thought that we were talking about european soccer then we started talking about south american soccer turns out we're still talking about european soccer because it's gonna happen at the santiago bernabao in madrid noted place that is not even in the same hemisphere as Buenos Aires. Oh, it gets a lot worse because the new hashtag for this tournament has become Copa Conquistadores because this tournament, the Copa Libertadores, obviously commemorating those from South America who fought for South American independence from, wait for it, Spain. And wait, now, what? And now they're going to play this tournament named after the liberators in the capital city of their colonial con- conquerors. Yeah. At the very least, if they're going to move it to Spain, play it at the camp now who hate those guys too, am I right? Right. I mean, it, it, this is, I will say that beside, outside of the optics, this was an incredibly tough decision for Comnable. They had sold all the rights because this was a huge derby. The two teams are have rabid fan bases. There's just no right decision here. I really don't think that even if they had tried to play it anywhere in South America, there would have probably been violence or security issues. Um, There will probably be security issues in Madrid. However, the the folks there have agreed to pay for all the security, which gets uh, a cash trap come the bowl off the hook for that. So this is just a mess. And all we can hope for is that this never happens again. All right. I see nods. Cool. I have no other takes. Yeah, let's talk about uh, UEFA Europa League 2. Obviously, all of us very strong opinions on that. The new tournament from UEFA. That... Why? Just stop it. Yeah. Just stop it. UEFA we coming don't up. Need more you don't need European more European Cups. Yeah. I mean, speaking of cash, uh, this is obviously a cash grab from UEFA. So They're going to play the games at 4.30 local time on a Thursday. Yeah. That's all we need to say about that. All right, let's talk about the Bundesliga, where Bayern finally got a result against Werder Bremen. They finally get into the Champions League spot. Serge Gnabry gets a brace. All is well with Bayern. Oh, wait, that's right. They still haven't had a clean sheet all year. Not just them. Manuel Neuer. Hasn't had a clean sheet sheet all year. Still might be feeling the effects of his injury that took him out most of last season. Came back for the World Cup probably too early. He looked bad in that as well this past summer. You think this is an Iker Casillas type situation where like this brilliant goalie just goes like, it, it, it could be. I mean, he's right on the edge. He, he's what, 31, 32? He's right on the edge where goalies decrease. They're right on the edge of, their, of his prime. So I mean, it, it's a but, little bit early for that, for a goalie. Uh, it, it's it's worrisome. I mean, right, regularly. Like, in a normal situation, that would be too early for a goalie. This to be not a normal situation. To be an outlier. Manuel to Minnesota, M2M, boys. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. I mean, maybe? I don't know. All right. Dor- I'd, I'd assume Iker to Minnesota first, but sure. This was the week in which Dortmund stole songs from other teams. Their Twitter account, I see earlier this week, tweeted, You are my wonder wall with a picture of their yellow wall. Come on, guys. And then we, we decide to watch the, the game against Freiburg, and their fans are singing You'll Never Walk Alone. What the hell? It's a great song. What can I say? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Producer Nick they, they both had great songs, to be honest. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, something else that's a great song is that the the songs that are going to be composed to commemorate Paco Alcacer's career in Dortmund, which is going swimmingly. Ten goals in this year. Two starts. The song will be really short, but like really impressive. Especially the towards the end. Playing. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be like a guided end. by voices song, basically. <laughs> Uh, Red Bull Leipzig gets a two-goal win against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Tips Fedora. Tips Champions League spots. They're like pretty high in the table. They're second. Yeah. Right. Third. Uh, They're still third behind Mönchengladbach. Right. Yeah. Yes. Even no, the Leip- 
Leipzig and McGladbach are sharing two and three. We yeah. don't know. Why like furiously Google to find I'm out what sure McGladbach is in second. Anyway, Timo Werner starts a brace in the first half to just send Leipzig past McGladbach. Without Googling it, I'm going to guess Leipzig are at. No, McGladbach. Oh, oh. Take that, Colin. All right, now you're going to see a full like image grid of Kingston from Orlando City as punishment. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or furry eyes. I'm not sure which yet. Eintracht Frankfurt, their fairy tale stumbling a bit. This is the part of the movie where Cinderella's uh, carriage turns into a pumpkin and uh, there's a rat pulling the pumpkin. And, and she turns back into a mermaid. Right, we got this. Right, right. Yeah. And and uh, maybe in all of this... And the- her frozen powers are out of control and she frees the entire city. We're, we're, Am I mentioning this up? <laughs> yeah, I think so. No, 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 no. Frankfurt is now waiting for Nico Kovac to come back with the glass shoe, I think. Uh, get fired from Bayern Munich finally and then return triumphantly. Or maybe they won't take him back at this point. But anyway, Frankfurt losing 2-1 to Wolfsburg this week. And uh, hopefully they're able to get their, get their, find their feet again. Yeah, but Wolfsburg 1-2-1, much to the joy and... Of our uh, producer, Nick, who is a giant Wolfsburg fan who didn't know that they had won this week and thought, watching the highlights, that, oh, oh no, here does the comeback. Here's, <laughs> here's where they're going to lose it late. And then See, Frankfurt scored late in like, the 90th minute. Like, oh, oh yeah, man. we're done. And then the game ended. It was a 2-1 Super fan, for Nick Wolfsburg. Rodriguez. <laughs> like, all right, I'm just I happy there's someone else who's oblivious about results <laughs> on the receiving end of this. Uh, Serie A. There were some games, some results, some movement. I mean, uh, Fiorentina lost to Juve in their big derby, 3 um, nothing. Nothing too surprising there. Juve's been on a tear in Serie A lately. Uh, what a shock. This is my shocked face. Roma tied 2-2 two, two, two with Inter in a very uh, back-and-forth affair. Um, I'm much, not much to say about that. Uh, Inter clinging uh, the third spot, two, three points behind Napoli. Uh, some... Actual VAR controversy in this, but I mean, that's, that's not, not surprising let's at not all. Let's not talk about yeah. VAR. Let's talk about La Liga, where Real Madrid finally won against Valencia 2-1. Uh, 2-0, um, my bad. Uh, Barcelona. What? Wait, you convinced about a result? What? What? You were confused about a result, and it was oh. right in front of you on this piece of paper. See, this is what I put up with, listeners. Uh, Barcelona also getting the 2-0 win against a team that starts with V. 2-0 against Villa Villarreal. Villarreal. That's what I'm going to call Villarreal. <laughs> Villarreal. Hey, do you know there's a team in India called Real Kashmir? It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's like no one in Kashmir speaks Spanish. It's about as dumb as Real Salt Lake. Yeah, it is. It really I mean, people is. in Salt Lake might speak Spanish. <laughs> so like uh, 1% of the population is not white in Salt Lake. Hey, they might have learned Spanish as a second language in high school for about 10 days yeah. uh, to put it on their college <laughs> applications. <laughs> Alaves playing Sevilla 1-1, the score here. And that result actually puts Barcelona ahead of Sevilla. Ooh. But Alaves is still ahead of Real Madrid for fourth place. Yay! <laughs> and then a high note. All right, Liga, PSG finally dropped points. The game ends 2-2 to Bordeaux. Champions League, PSG beats Liverpool 2-1. What do you I have to say about to that? Say. Okay, I have nothing to say. I have nothing Dude, to say. Okay. He works for the other say. team. He works for the other team. I have nothing to say. Dortmund you played... You have the cool manager. Dortmund played Club Bruggy, or that's what I like to call them, Bruggy. Uh, <laughs> and Ethan Harvath, goalkeeper extraordinaire of the U.S. men's national team, did some stuff. Yeah, um, had a bunch of really good saves. Kept Dortmund out of the net. And Christian Pulisic, also probably Dortmund's best player, had some good chances, was creating things. Nobody could really get through Horvath. So uh, Manchester United beat Young Boys. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold on. Aside from us, we need to really cherish every single time that we can say somebody beats young boys but also <laughs> this was the jose Mourinho <clears throat> flipping out at a bottle game not bottle bottles With the multiple Monterey bottles carrier yeah. bottles so Manchester united, pack of bottles Manchester united getting the winner very very late in this game uh so the frustration boiling over in mr Mourinho's head where he grabs a rack of gatorade bottles by the rack handle and then like body slams them if they had a body but a rack slam. He spiked some. Yeah, there you yeah. go. 
Bayern Munich beating Benfica 5-1. Roma getting beat by Real Madrid 2-0 in Rome. Those are some Champions League girls. There's a bunch of uh, group news from Champions League, but we'll leave you to Google that and find it for yourself. Because it's time now for us to take a break. We shall return with all the news from America. Welcome back to We Call It Soccer. We were thinking in the break whether we should have a segment from Minnesota United this week. And we decided no, because there's one bit of news and we'll talk about it in a segment that we call The Top Step. But the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. In The Top Step, we cover the latest news from America's Division I soccer leagues, Major League Soccer and the NWSL. The NWSL this week announcing their dates for the 2019 season, which you can find on their website, if you're so inclined. Still, fixtures not announced as of yet. Coming soon. Watch this space. The Ma- most important thing that happened in MLS, though. Brent Coleman makes $62,000 at a World Poker Tour event in Seminole, Florida. Was that 75% of his salary? Um, Yes. Slightly less. Math is hard right now. Okay. He did uh, recently did a raise. So... He gets that raise next year. Oh, never mind then. If only he made more money this year. Well, speaking of more money, something that earned Lee quite a bit of money was the second legs of the conference finals. First, play the, the game in uh, New Jersey, where Atlanta went up against the Red Bulls. Uh, the Red Bulls ticket reps apparently calling all their season ticket holders just to check if they were going to show up to this game. Uh, good, good crowd in attendance. I was actually quite impressed, uh, given the fact that Red Bulls went into this game down three goals on aggregate. And are you, are you gonna see us lose, guys? Are you, are you gonna see us lose? These they might have called the wrong people though, because one of their fans had Miguel Amiron on the face with a can. Was it a can or a, some sort of projectile? And then seemed projectile. surprised, like he was like, "Oh God!" Like you could see him kind of recoil when it hits him, and you're like, "You threw it at him. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you're in the front row. Yeah, you, you can't can. hide." You didn't realize that you have okay aim? Yeah. Don't throw shit. If you guys keep throwing shit, we're going to get nets in between us and the pitch. That, that's what's going to happen if people keep throwing stuff. Both of the conference finals second legs had stuff thrown on the pitch. And to be fair, though, Notch, if there were nets in between you and the pitch, you would not have been hit by Zlatan with that ball. It's true. That would have saved your ass, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Atlanta <laughs> advanced 3-1 on aggregate. There was a goal, and it happened, and this game was otherwise quite It okay. happened super late. There was a goal that was called off for VAR correctly because Aaron Long posterized Brad Guzan, yeah. and that's not something you can do to a goalkeeper. Uh, in shocking, very fragile egos. In, in the first bit of shocking news that you're going to hear in the second part of We Called Soccer, the f- we have breaking, shocking news that none of us expected. Tyler Adams is off to Red Bull Leipzig. Uh, at Rosenball Sports Leipzig. Thank you, thank you. Con, yeah, con come on, man. Hit it right. yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. It's Red Bull yes. Leipzig. There are so many violations of bundles of the German football yeah. law. Yeah, the, yeah. Hey, they're, they're going to be facing Salzburg again. Uh, are they? Red Bull Salzburg, yeah. It's going to be funny. We're going to have those same kits again. They should really have like a little Red Bull tournament where they all wear the same jerseys and it's very confusing. Yeah. Is that like the Monster tournament? Yeah. Or like the NOS tournament? Yeah. Let's do that. Or the Rockstar tournament? Are there any other? Uh, the Carabao uh, tournament? Oh, there's already Carabao. Yeah, there already is a Carabao Cup. <laughs> Carabao. Um, okay. SKC played Portland in the second of our conference finals. The Timbers pulling out a 3-2 result in Kansas City. An actual fun game. Oh yeah. my God, this was a very fun game. Even for you, producer Nick, admit it. Shaking Ad- his head. Admit, Nick is shaking his head. Admit that it was a great game, Mr. Sounders fan Nick. Loon legend Jeff Atanella, never forget, hashtag forever loon, uh, had some great saves throughout this game, even though he was beaten pretty early by Shaloi for the, the, the first goal of this game. He wasn't beaten. Uh, Zarek Valentin was beaten. Yeah. Was megged by Shaloi. Yeah. Like, if your defender gets megged six yards from goal, 
Hey, you're talking about MLS Cup graphic superstar Zarek Valentin. Because uh, when they showed us the graphic, it's like uh, it, it, they had Almiron, Martinez, I think it was Diego Valeri, and then Zarek Valentin as the four players on the graphic advertising the MLS Cup. I, I'm surprised. Being, you know, Sebastian Blanco. Yeah. Considering I'm, the goal he scored. I'm just surprised that a designer allowed Valentin on there because why would you sacrifice that much empty space between his legs? <laughs> Speaking of that Blanco goal, Sebastian Blanco scoring arguably the best goal this entire year. Arguably the best goal that's ever been scored in MLS Cup playoffs. Okay. I can't think of a single more beautiful goal that's been scored in the playoffs than Well, yeah, not not in that, the playoffs, but the entire year, I think, too. I mean, the, there have been some pretty spectacular no, shots. No, I'm I'm saying in MLS playoff history. Aha. Okay. Yeah, I uh, don't haven't watched all of them, so I can't really say. So I'm going to be quite guarded about my feelings on that <laughs> subject. But uh, yeah, so okay, I'll give it to you. Why not? Sebastian Blanco, best goal ever scored in the history of soccer. Cool. <laughs> and uh, honestly, yeah, sure, I'll allow it. <laughs> that was an amazing goal. <laughs> and um, Valer Diego Valeri gets the second goal to put to Portland 2-1 up. Off of a great assist from everyone's favorite Walker boy, Jeremy Babasi, who got sm- smashed by Timelia seconds later. I, I can't stop thinking about the fact that how much I'd want Gio and Ibo on my team over Heath and Dunlady. And Dunlady's done nothing wrong. He's a good guy, I'm sure. But like, man, I just, you know... Aside from waking up every single day and deciding that he's going to put on glass legs instead of human legs, yeah, Dunlady <sighs> has done nothing wrong. I'm going to show up in Portland and with a giant boombots and giant speakers everywhere and just play, don't you forget about me. I know I'm mixing up 80s movies, but I don't care. It's a better song anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, someone who else, else who did something wrong was a fan in Kansas City who threw another can of beer onto the pitch please don't do that again mark geiger referee extraordinaire deciding to stop the game which i actually agree with as a decision if fans do some crazy shit stop the game and hell i i would even i wouldn't even mind if there were some forfeitures just based on that alone your fans throw something onto the pitch just forfeit the game it's over uh peter vermees had to walk out to ask the fans to calm themselves the game was then allowed to resume Gerso gets the equalizer for Kansas City, which still had Portland up on away goals, or I should say through on away goals. And then Valeri kills the game off in the 99th minute. There were nine minutes of stoppage time in this yeah, game. Yeah, that's, that's what happens when you throw things. And right. you think to yourself, hey, I, I want to at least have a chance in this game. Yeah, nine minutes of extra time when your team gives up another goal. That's what happens, guys. Next piece of our notes is having me scrunch my face up a whole bunch um, because it says MLS Cup predictions, colon, notch, colon. Uh, anyone but Atlanta? Like, I, I don't care. Like, let, let's have an earthquake that calls off this game. I, I don't care. Like, as long as Atlanta doesn't win, um, I, I'm i really okay with anything here. But, I mean, think of the CBS 34's hot sports section after, after Atlanta wins. Oh, it's going to be just such hot fire on that awesome news channel that totally exists i can't bring myself to say atlanta here it's i all i'm only gonna say portland please portland timbers do a geo savarese you've been to atlanta before for big finals just win this one too playing the silverbacks the is not as big of heel. a final as a seventy thousand person all right so who, who what's your prediction I predict a very stodgy game, which does not befit the occasion, and then Atlanta wins 2-0. I think this goes to penalties, and I think uh, Atlanta wins in penalties. Damn it. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Some transfer news? Yeah. um, David Villa was announced to officially be leaving NYCFC, and he assigned with the J-League side. Vissel Kobe gets reunited with Andres Iniesta. Um, FC Dallas coach Oscar Pereja officially becomes the head coach of Cholas de Tijuana. And you don't you didn't allow me to do my Via Swaps New York strip for Kobe beef uh, joke there. 
Mm, I mean, it's, it's pretty good. Cuts of it's meat. pretty good. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, there were also some more uh, cuts, and I'm going to give producer Nick the opportunity to give our segment cue here for a segment we call Turn Down for Cuts. 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 And uh, so these are the teams that announced their cuts after they were supposed to. Come on, you guys. What the Way hell? Way slow. I mean, there are even more than this, but these are the only ones I feel like talking about. Um, Loon's legend, Star's legend, actually, Luke Mulholland got cut by RSL, as well as Sonny Stephen from um, their defensive midfield. That would be a great pickup if he wanted to sign with any team for less than the amount that he's making, because he's already said that he intends with his option to get paid more. That's not, that's not how this works. This is not how MLS free agency or lack thereof works. I would like Luke Mulholland. I wouldn't mind that guy. He's a little hurt. So we'd have to take a pick up. He he played like 90 minutes this year. Yeah. No, I'm going to pass. It's going to be a no for me, dog. Old player, known to Minnesota, injured. <laughs> Manny's already on the phone with him right now as we speak. Speaking <laughs> of players he should be on the phone with, LAFC cuts uh, Benny Felheber, who's a free agent. I call that guy right now. You should be leaving him a voicemail every hour on the hour. Uh, and then Mark Dorania also cuts paving the way for Christian Ramirez as Lurich returned to the starting line. As and long as Diomande is injured. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which, um, Didn't this past year. He will be at some point. Yeah. By the way, we missed out on questioning you, Caleb. Every hour on the hour. Is that what you think works to get him here? That's kind of creepy, bro. Little (laughs) bit frightened by it. Hey, you don't want to know how Caleb got on this podcast. Okay. I've never been a GM, so I don't know. Does that work? (laughs) Manny, call me. You have the number. Just don't call me every on the hour. That's creepy. You're right. It's creepy. Yeah. yeah. Damn it. I I feel really bad for Taylor. DC cut several players, Darren Maddox, Ian Harks, and Nick DeLeon all cut. This is, I think, the team that has the most kind of attractive cut players. Ian Harks. Did on our team. Nick DeLeon, a domestic fullback who's, again, coming off an injury, probably needs a pay cut, but still pretty solid in his position in a league where fullbacks are not easy to come by. So if we could get a really good fullback from outside of the league and then have uh, Miller and DeLeon competing for a fullback spot, that to me is depth. He needs a pay cut. Second stage of the re-entry draft at best. Yeah. Cheneau, Tommy McNamara, Rodney Wallace got from New York City FC. Jameer Hika leaving San Jose. Should we swap one Swiss player for another? Oh, there's another Swiss player that I want. But you can check out the website that I write for and see that. Dylan Remnick, Dylan Remick and Andrew Wagner are both vendor. Wow, I'm just not doing very well in names today. Dylan, uh, David Reamer and uh, Andy <laughs> Wusti. Uh, Bless I've been the last name. What are you doing there, kid? Wusti. <laughs> hey, Wusti, you're playing goal today. Uh, that, it's better than Betherson. That's just it's not a real person. Uh, <laughs> Dylan Remick and, and Andrew Vender. Vender out. Uh, I've retired from soccer. Yeah, both and young players. Yeah. Both mid twenties. Um, yeah, twenty-seven, twenty-eight each. Uh, Remick, unfortunately, uh, suffered a concussion in preseason. Did not come back and um, decided to hang it up rather than go through additional health concerns. Andrew Wenger is kind of a weird case, although there's a lot of speculation that he's going to take his Stanford finance degree and make probably five times as much money as he ever would in MLS. And that's saying something given the fact that he was a decently paid middle of the road domestic defender. Yeah. Both these guys leaving Houston Dynamo. All right, let's go into our segment where we talk about the U.S. national teams. And for the last time, I think, I think one more time we deserve to play this segment, Q. Let's get national and discuss the latest from the U.S. national teams. This is the final time that we get to talk about our dark days because, hey, the light has come in the form of Greg Berhalter. Uh, Finally, uh, we have a head coach. 
The question being asked, I believe by producer Nick earlier, which is why are people not enthusiastic about this? Because of the process. The process took over a year. Dred Berhalter is a fine coach. He's a fine choice. He would have been an even better choice a year pre- previous. He he hasn't changed his tactics or even his results with Columbus. He was just as consistent last year as he was this year. Just his process was just a giant cluster from the get-go. Like, Craig Burhalter had the MLS Comeback Player of the Year. Jousey Zardes, a guy who did not actually come back from being injured or anything. He just came back from being abject to being, like, the <laughs> third highest goal scorer in MLS. Like, yeah, Greg Burhalter can coach. I think there is even more skepticism from kind of the less educated U.S. fan that is just like, why didn't we hire somebody from Europe? Why didn't we hire somebody with national team experience? Why didn't we hire somebody with a higher profile than one of the coaches in MLS? And the longer this process went on, the more rumors that, you know, um, I forget the real, former Real Madrid had offered to interview and Tata had offered to interview and there's just all these things, all these coaches that came out of the woodwork that said, hey, do you want to interview us? And they said, nah, we did. You told me with Greg Berhalter? You tend to come that up with him earlier. Give those chances, those coaches a chance. Tata Martinez is one of the best coaches and has the best resumes of a coach in MLS and love to you. Coached Spain through their their prime like yeah it like doesn't make sense them into the world cup inexplicably gets fired and suddenly spain falls apart like that's probably a good sign that you're a decent <laughs> coach <laughs> like it, it, the entire process was terrible it ended up with arguably the best candidate out of the domestic pool right. and maybe the best fit for this team going forward all right well uh we should also very quickly mention something very interesting that brooke tunstall tweeted about yesterday which is that uh jürgen klinsman revenge jürgen klinsman's revenge is complete because he had made some comments four years ago saying that young american players should be going to europe and then don garber threw a shit fit and had this contentious weird phone press conference which where he just screamed at reporters about how uh Jurgen was wrong. It was all really very abject and kind of embarrassing for MLS. Well it turns out now with Tyler Adams, Zach Steffen, you've even got you know Canadian players uh like Alfonso Davies going off to Europe leaving MLS um MLS serving as an incubator. I mean how many of the top 18 players Brooke Dunslask for the US men's national team are now based in MLS? For the Gold Cup next year, how many MLS players are you going to pick? Or is that lineup almost entirely for non-MLS players? It's it's a really interesting question. And it's you've got guys like Pulisic, McKinney, Miazga, Brooks, Sargent, Wood, Weir, Horvat, Safe, Green, Robinson, Yedlin. They're all abroad. So the, the kind of young backbone of this team is moving abroad, just like Linsman wanted it to. Though, to be fair, you're also talking about a U.S. national team that's almost entirely gotten rid of veterans that are based in the U.S., which you probably wouldn't do if you were playing competitive matches. You'd probably still bring in, like, at least somebody that's been there before. And at least somebody is not the majority of the team, which is, I mean, that's what we were talk, arguing about. If you go back to the Reddit threads from that day, it's people are just so indignant that Klinsman had the temerity to question why our players were playing here. And of course, Landon Donovan should have been on the World Cup roster. Who cares if he had like left, you know, not going back to Everton. It's it just all this stuff. Like it was, it was just this indignation that of this mere suggestion that our young players should go abroad. And that seems to become a more natural thing now. So I, I think Jurgen was right all along. Um, not the best coach G- should have just been TD and not the coach. But uh, anyway, I don't want to have that discussion again. Hey, speaking of our young teams, though, US U-17 men's national team takes second in the Nike friendlies against Brazil, Portugal, and Turkey. Yeah, uh, they beat Turkey 1-0, um, had 1-1 draws each against Portugal and Brazil. Um, 
came into the game against Brazil having a chance to win the whole thing. Um, unfortunately, weren't able to close out the results. Uh, Masango Akale um, from Minnesota Thunder Academy, uh, the brother of Villarreal reservist uh, Makwele Akale, made the roster, didn't appear in any games as far as I could tell. Um, the standouts for the team, uh, Peter Stroud, who went from uh, Red Bulls to West Ham over the summer, um, Claudia Reyna's son, Giovanni, um, apparently has left NYCFC and is going to Dortmund when he turns 17. Um, and then Ricardo Pepe from FC Dallas were all apparently very good in the tournament. All right. With that, it's now time for us to move into a segment that we call Soccer Things. In the Soccer Things segment, Colin takes you into the deep, dark corners of the soccer world to tell you stories you won't and shouldn't believe. So one of the things that we didn't discuss in our wrap-up of the rest of the world uh, was the UEFA Europa League game between uh, Vorsla Poltava of the Ukraine and Arsenal FC of England, where Arsenal came out, it just stomped them in the first half, played a bunch of kids... It was all fine and good. The big difference, the big weird thing about this game, however, is that they had to move the game to Kiev at the last second due to some security issues related to some strikes that were going on in between um, Ukrainian forces and Vladimir Putin's invading um, army in Crimea. Um, There was... Something related to the opening of a bridge and some uh, naval shots fired. And as a result, they had to move the game out of that area of the Ukraine into Kiev. Here's the weird thing about that. I don't think that was just because of a security issue. More importantly, I think the security issue was that they wanted to come up with some sort of kind of perverse rallying cry for the Ukrainians. Now, hear me out on this. The Ukrainian leagues have basically suspended all of their rivalries between teams during the Russian occupation of Crimea. They've seen it as kind of a point of national pride that everybody should come together. Yes, we'll you know still have sport and all that, but we're not going to be against one another for geographic reasons. Enter Putin looking at an English team coming in and deciding he wants to do two things at once. First, make the English feel as though they are unsafe going into the Ukraine. Security issue, clearly it's an attempt to make sure that Arsenal could not feel safe coming in. Maybe it was a shot towards English interference in the Russians. Moreover, Vladimir Putin knew that this was going to be a terrible, terrible result for the Ukrainians. Because let's face it, Orskla ain't that good. Arsenal, they got Unai Emery. They're fantastic right now. So, Vladimir Putin decided that he was going to take this extra rallying cry moment. This moment that was supposed to galvanize the Ukrainians over how horrible this situation is in Crimea. And just use that as an opportunity to embarrass them where four, count them, four Arsenal players made their senior debuts in the game. And they still walked out 3-0 victors without even breaking a sweat. How demoralizing would that be for all of those forces in the Ukraine that are thinking to themselves, we need to repel Putin? I'm telling you guys, Vladimir Putin's stepping over his bounds. He is interfering not just in elections, He's using sport to interfere with global politics. The man must be stopped. Okay, Glenn Greenwald. Or is he pro-Putin these days? Uh, It changes all the time. Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, I didn't get him for the sourcing on this. So that might be where he's uh leaning. He might be anti-Putin at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering. You didn't pay any visits to the Ecuadorian embassy in London this week. I was wondering why. That you know of. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Also, that the CIA knows of because apparently they missed it too. Please don't expect that to the We Taught Soccer business card because 
It doesn't exist. Oh, you got my hopes up. But that is I still don't have access to the AM account. <laughs> Let me end the episode. Never. Okay, please. <laughs> With that, it's time for us to tell the good people where they can find us on Twitter. I'm at Kate Olson 716. Also at 551 sometimes. And um Thanks to Tetonics for these that are sound lustless. As our theme music, check them out on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. They have a new EP called Four Songs. So there's four songs on it, and they're super clever and all that stuff. Stuff. Uh, you can find me at the attachments. You can find my review of the re-entry and waiver draft processes at e pluribus lunum. Um, apparently, we're doing a get together event at New Bohemia Lake Street for MLS Cup, which happens Saturday evening. I'm at TW United Fans. We Call It Soccer is produced by Nick Rodriguez. His views on soccer and politics can be found at Nick Rodriguez on Twitter. Credit for the conception of our sketch today comes goes to uh, Jake Chalcroft, whose Twitter ID is evading me at the moment. I will tell you about it <laughs> next week. Tell your friends to listen to We Call It Soccer. You can subscribe to our pod on fine podcast providers everywhere. And with that, we bid you adieu for another seven days. See you next week.